Hey, I wanted to jump in here and let you know that we have an introductory pricing going on right now up until May 18th. And what this is, is I have taken my courses and combine them all into a move better bundle. So you're going to be working on your feet, you're going to be working on your posture, and you're going to be working on your core, pelvic floor, all of those things. And you can save big. Right now, I am selling this for 50% off. So head to movingthroughmidlife.com. Click on the Work With Me link. It is the Moving Through Midlife program, your Move Better bundle, where you can start working on feeling better in your body. You also then get access to workouts, recipe guides, live sessions with me, and live classes with me throughout the month. So head to movingthroughmidlife.com, click on the Move With Me link, enter intro, and that will give you 50% off. I'm looking forward to it. Welcome to Raising Healthy Humans, a podcast created for busy moms, where you can easily find information on health and wellness for your family. Enjoy experts who share tips on how to raise children through each phase of life, Gather current information on nutrition and wellness and listen to Courtney, a health coach, movement specialist, and founder of FormFit, an active and supportive community where she helps busy moms move more. On Raising Healthy Humans podcast, Courtney shares her personal life experiences, training, knowledge, and conversations with other health and wellness experts so you can raise healthy humans. Today, I am speaking with Danielle. She is a positive discipline certified parent educator who helps partners to parent as a team while helping families find sanity and strategies for parenting strong-willed children. She wants you to become the parent you thought you'd be through parenting wholeheartedly. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming on the show. Of course. I, my pleasure. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, how did you start with this parent wholeheartedly? Where did you begin on this yeah. journey? Yeah. So when I was you know, 18, when you're supposed to have your whole life figured out, all I knew was that I liked working with kids So I ended up getting my uh, bachelor's degree in uh, child development from birth through third grade. So that came with a teaching certification, lots of student teaching. And out of school, I ended up teaching at a school that was called Educare. It's the Head Start, Early Head Start program. Mm -hmm. And I was a lead teacher in both of those classrooms, which I loved. Um, But I realized that what happens in a classroom is great, but what happens at home is what's mattering the most. And that's where kids are getting wired and that's where parents have the hardest job and they're doing the very best they know and can, uh, but there's just a lot we don't know we don't know as parents. Right. So I had the opportunity to work with Save the Children, 
for a program called Early Steps to School Success, where it was a home visiting based program. I got to work more with the parents than the kids in their home, helping connect them with resources, doing developmental screenings, bringing them books to read. And they brought me in as like a third member of their family. And it was my favorite job ever. Um, It was such a treat and such an honor. And uh, what I realized was like, that was where the rubber hits the road. When I could empower the parent, then not only did it help that one child that one year, but for like potentially their whole childhood and all their siblings, you know, as well. Right. And so I'm always trying to like get to the point of most influence and that's what feels the most like meaningful. That's what I'm so passionate about. So then I became a parent myself and I realized, oh my gosh, how did they ever listen to a word I had to say? (laughs) Because parenting is just, you know, it's a whole new world. And I had my daughters back to back. They're 15 months apart, which I don't professionally recommend, but (laughs) I survived. It was a blur. And I was working at an in-home daycare that a colleague had opened so I could be with my girls um, for the most part after my second was born and eventually started leading a mom's group because um, I, I was attending a church at the time and they had a big kind of mops type program. And uh, I was just having lots of conversations with other parents. And thankfully, I had kind of a leg up with my child development background, even though it was still extremely hard. I at least knew what was developmentally appropriate at each age and how to kind of like work with where their brain's at and what to say and what to do to, you know, get a lot of cooperation. And so I was just giving lots of advice and working with a lot of families. And my second daughter ended up teaching me most of what I now teach now because she is a completely different personality than my oldest, where my oldest is kind of the by the book um, doesn't really have a lot of problems with life. We'll do what you ask, you know, emotions are probably even keel. Um, my second is the opposite. She has high highs and low lows and no in between. (laughs) She knows what she wants and she will let you know. And there's really no convincing her otherwise, whether that's a a bribe, a threat, a punishment, a reward, it does not register. And so that's when I realized, oh my gosh, like, Almost all families, if you have two or three kids, have a kiddo that's like this type of personality. And then you need a whole new toolkit for these type of kiddos because they really put you to the test. And that's what ends up like creating a divide between parenting partners because they're both confused as to how to deal with this and kind of take polar ends of the spectrum as an approach. And so I just knew that this was such a prevalent issue that I decided to uh, become a coach myself and be able to come up with more of a curriculum that I felt like combined a positive discipline, which I'm now certified in, as well as a process called writing a family business plan and um, and working on your triggers and patience as a parent. And so that's what I do now. After the pandemic, it switched from being in-home to being virtual okay. and starting my podcast and you know has eventually gotten me to where I am today, working one on one and through a group with family. So that was my long winded answer to your <laughs> short no, question. That's great. Well, and it's funny what you had mentioned um, with our children. How like one, you think you've got it all figured out, and then the second one comes and it 
but I feel like even sometimes just even with one of them, the the minute you think you have them figured out, oh, then they flip 100%. the switch on you as well. So it's <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you've never parented them today. You parented who they were yesterday. Right. So they're going to keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So how you touched on a point that I feel like in my household it's like this dance between my husband and I, this parenting as a team. Mm-hmm. How how do we do this? Because I feel like some days we are on the same page and we're speaking the same language and everything is in line with one another with how we're going to handle certain situations. And then other days he'll say something and I'll look at him. And I'm like, what are you doing? doing like that punishment <laughs> does not fit the situation that type of thing so yes. how how do you work through that with parents yeah yeah you're not alone okay. absolutely Good. <laughs> i mean every every family is like a brand new dynamic that uh for the most part you did not grow up together right. so you were parented differently and come into your family with completely different expectations different mindsets and meaning that you take from behaviors just a whole different lens that you see things through and you know that applies to money that applies to a whole variety of things but with parenting it's extremely obvious when you know you're faced with either backing each other up or undermining each other or feeling like, you know, worst enemies, which is very easy to Mm -hmm. feel like. Oh, yeah. And usually there's a dynamic of a parent that is a little bit more on the permissive side and then their yin yang, which is a little bit more quick to be strict. Or, uh, you know, that's kind of where uh, the opposites attract mentality can be a huge benefit because it really keeps both partners in check and you need both of those aspects to create a balanced approach, but the how you get to that end result can come from a lot of turmoil and conflict in between. So I always recommend that uh, it starts with a very curiosity-driven conversation where you're just able to really acknowledge and name how different you grew up, how differently your parents treated you, how differently you may have even felt when being punished or when Uh, you know, your sibling was being punished or just other things that kind of played into how you're viewing things now and, and, and ask kind of, you know, what's your relationship with your parents now? Is that exactly kind of the relationship you want to have with our kids? Or do we want to do something a little bit differently? Or what is kind of the um, lesson, you know, that we're trying to learn when we take this approach or what's really the skills and the values that we want at the end of this. Like what's this whole parenting journey gonna be for? Because I take the approach of treating your family like an organization. Mm -hmm. And if you're the leadership of that organization, you really want to have a clear vision and mission and end goals that everyone's kind of on the trajectory towards. And we don't really do that with parenting. We kind of fly by the seat of our pants and throw spaghetti at a wall (laughs) and hope that some good human comes out. And unfortunately, um, if if it was that easy, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about this probably. But it, there's actually so much that we have to be intentional about. Otherwise, if it's not designed, it goes back to kind of default. So um, a lot of getting on the same page requires 
productive, open-minded conversations where you're curious about the other person's lens and being able to establish end goals that you can both agree on that says these core values or this type of skill set or this type of person is what's most important to us to be able to instill or cultivate or model within mm -hmm. our home. Okay. And then let's both try to look into evidence-based new ideas or ways that we know kind of cultivate that type of person or that type of learning or, um, you know, really help us feel like that's the right approach for our kids. Because just because something works for somebody else doesn't mean it works for you as a parent or works for your the child that's in front of you, um, even with all the best intentions. So being able to just learn and then some, you know, some trial and error is probably necessary. Um, but then just being able to feel like you have enough information to make the most educated decision that might change tomorrow. And that's okay. Okay. So I'm thinking about what you are mentioning and I'm thinking, okay, best scenario, we should be talking about this before having children. But for many of us, we haven't. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, it was not covered in what to expect when you're expecting. Absolutely right. not. Yeah, uh, no. But I also feel like, you know, there's just so much about parenting you can't know until you're in it. You know, right. we're even, we're all the world's best parents until we become one. So, you know, yeah. we all had these goals of like, you know, never having food in the car or never getting a tablet or, you know, all these right, things. right. But you just don't even know what you're signing up for until you're in it. So ideally, you know, some conversations before it gets too hectic would be great. But uh, for the most part, you're going to have to try to carve out time to hit pause um, because you're putting together a car that it's halfway down the highway. <laughs> okay. Okay. How do you handle these families where, um, like you had mentioned, that one child um, you're able to handle one way? Mm-hmm. Then you have another child who you have to handle differently, but that child is now old enough to where they can definitely see that there is a different way they're being handled than the other one. Do you have mm -hmm. recommendations on how to smoothly make that occur with families? Um, just because I have three and I mean, we do try to keep things very consistent between the three, mm -hmm. three. But, you know, there's times where certain things change and it does not go unnoticed by <laughs> the other siblings. So yes, yes. I was that oldest child that uh, looked back at my brother that was 10 years younger than me being like, what? <laughs> this isn't fair. That's not how it was for me. <laughs> totally feel you. And so, yeah. so good to to be aware of that. Like you're a different parent each year that you're parenting and it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to handle things differently than the way you did in the past. And you can own that. And I think it's good to be able to, to speak openly about because otherwise, you know, it, it seems hypocritical or it seems, you know, inauthentic to our kids because they're very perceptive. They're very observant, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Give them credit yes. for that. Yeah. Well, so go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, so for the for the child that is not as strong-willed i what i recommend to families that are coming to me because they're like okay my six-year-old's fine but my four-year-old is a hot mess <laughs> please help <laughs> uh, we end up finding a lot of strategies that work for that four-year-old 
And then I, I say, okay, now that we know what works for kind of your spiciest, toughest child, let's try to now expand that toolkit out to everybody else. Because what may work for the oldest that doesn't work for the youngest isn't necessarily true flip-flopped. Okay. What will work for the youngest will also work for the oldest, just like the other strategies did, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can always continue to, uh, you know, challenge maybe your old way of thinking, or if things felt more black and white before, you can, you know, take a more collaborative problem solving approach, you know, instead. And so like those can, things can evolve. But the other thing that's important to instill is this idea that, um, Fair doesn't mean equal. Mm. Fair means that everyone's needs are met. Okay. And in your family, everyone has different needs and those are going to need to be met in different ways. And that's true for all humans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the old adage of like, yep, you know, it's not fair too bad. Um, I think we can just re-script that a little bit to, yep, like fair doesn't mean equal. Um, You need something different than your sibling does right now. And, and that's okay when you, you know, you'll, it's going to be a different benefit to you in the future because you're older or, you know, be able to help them see the complexity in that. Okay. Well, and I think you had mentioned that you like to create like a business plan for Mm -hmm. your family. And I think if you're creating that, I'm sure if all of your decisions in your household are based off of whatever that is, that helps as well. Right. Totally. It helps create some cohesion and consistency across the board for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you had mentioned with the yin and the yang of the husband wife dynamic, whatever. Um, Do you notice families who either flip flop yin on some issues, yang on the other, and then also with this couple when they think they're on the same page and they've communicated about something and then someone throws a curveball right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Because my husband and I have been in these situations where he'll say something and then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'll, and I know I'm not supposed to do it right then and there. So what do you, <laughs> what do you recommend? It's so hard in the moment when mm-hmm. something's happening, what do you, mm-hmm. how do you recommend we handle these situations? And mind you, I have older children now. So mine are 16, 14 and 11. So I feel like, you know, it's not like a, come on, like, come talk to me real quick. Yeah. You know? It's like, we got to get this situated right now. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Urgency is, yes. is on the mind. <laughs> Yeah. And, and there has to be kind of a little bit of a shared expectation going in where you're able to ask each other, like, Hey, when you see me going kind of off, off the plan, or when I'm having a really hard time staying patient, like, here's what I want you to do, or here's how I want you to handle it. Or, you know, asking that of each other of what, what would you like me to do or say? in that moment is always going to be the best place to start because then they'll be able to say, well, it would be great if, you know, we did some, you know, third, third baseman coach, third, third base coach type, you know, symbols. And then I could, you know, that could help get me back online. But what I recommend to some of my clients that they find themselves in that situation a little bit more off guard 
then uh, try to respond to the emotion that you see rather than the behavior that you see. Okay. So you don't want to undermine them to be able to say like, no, that's not your punishment. You know, dad doesn't know what he's talking about. That type of like, you know, deteriorating the trust of that moment. Right. What you want to be able to respond to is I can see that dad's having a really hard time right now. I think what would be best is for everybody to take five. Okay. Perfect. And and be able to just speak to the emotion you're seeing or or just the problem is I don't think, you know, we can make that decision right now. Okay. You know, and just being able to kind of like put a gap there that allows for saving face and also maybe having a sidebar before deciding for sure <laughs> how's how are we going to handle this? Uh-huh. And 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 then also having like a tagging out type of um code word. So a lot of families will see their spouse that's like, you know, at their last wit's end and they want to be able to say like, hey, let me handle this. You know, you can go take a break. Um, But, you know, they don't like being called out in that moment of like, you know, you're not you're not (laughs) handling this. You don't have your brain with you right now. Um, So they'll come up with a code word beforehand. And the one that some of my clients use is, hey, you know what? Can you go check and see if we got that package? Okay. Can you go check and see if we got the mail actually for a second? And then that's the code word for go to go take a step outside. I got this. And okay. then that tends to help with that transition of not feeling like, you know, you're dumb or wrong, but I got your, I do really um, have your back. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens for families if they're going through divorces Is there anything that you can recommend? I mean, obviously the co-parenting best scenario, but what if a family doesn't have that on the other side? Is there anything that one parent can do to kind of help create more consistency or normalcy for that child if they have situations like that? Yeah, that's so challenging because you can't control what that other parent ends up doing, or they may or may not be receptive to, you know, your style or the information that you're coming across. And that can be incredibly heartbreaking mm-hmm. to know that, you know, your child's having a really hard time with the, when they are with the other parent. I actually had someone DM me on Instagram last night about that particular problem where mm-hmm. they were saying, you know, this, my child's coming home saying that, you know, he just puts me in my room the whole time and I don't want to go back there. And, and that's like so hard as a parent, so hard. And so, you know, what I told her was, you know, you can send him resources, you can offer the, the support when, if, and when, you know, they're willing to be able to do more work on learning more of a different approach because when they realize what they're doing isn't working, that's important. But sometimes that's not where they're at. And you have to be able to recognize that what you can control is your own home and your own environment and your own parent-child relationship. And all, you know, any human needs is one person who just like is crazy in love with them and, you know, knows who they are, accepts who they are and is seen and understood by them and feels safe. And so if that's at your house, then uh, continue to kind of reiterate that in the most obvious ways with um, extra 
structure and, and routines and, you know, little rituals of goodbye rituals and, and a calendar and just more things that make that so abundantly clear okay. so that it can help overflow and through the withdrawal period of, you know, the back and forth, um, continue to send the messages that you really want to be sinking into your child. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned these little rituals. Is that something you recommend for families to make sure that they're doing? Because um, it can be difficult, especially for families with more children, to mm-hmm. set time aside for each one of them. Yeah. Um, so do you have recommendations? I mean, I'm, when you said rituals, it made me think that that was an opportunity if you just had something special for each one of them. But do you have totally. any other advice? Yeah. Yeah. Having, having, you know, quality time, one-on-one time uh, during the week with even one child is difficult, let Mm -hmm. alone if you have uh, two or three or more. Um, It's such a great intention, but such a very hard thing to feel like to implement, even though it's so simple in and of itself. So I like to give um, my families several variations that meet the same heart behind it, which is that you are giving your child an opportunity to um, bring you into their world okay. a little bit uh-huh. and to feel like they are being you know seen for and celebrated for who they are and getting to have some type of special connection so a, a goodbye ritual for is like as like a simple handshake and mm-hmm. having one that's different for each child is a total simple win okay. that uh, makes them feel really important. We have a ritual at bedtime where I say the same thing to them as the last thing, you know, when they kiss them goodnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that are hopefully the things that are such repeated memories that they become uh, things that they remember about mm-hmm. their childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that that we can't discount the power of something that Seems so simple, but with consistency over time, the compound interest truly adds up. So yeah, like a note in their lunch, you know, like a, a snuggle first thing for like a minute or two of the day. Um, those can really be game changers to help set the tone and help them feel important. And for the variations on special time, there's one called you pick time, where essentially if you're single parenting and all the siblings are still there, you just trade off who gets to be in charge of the you pick time. And so you're just kind of setting aside that child as the one who gets to pick the activity or kind of be the leader or teach everyone else what to do. And um, that helps send that same message or create that heart behind that moment. Um, So there's things like that you can do too, that logistically are more accessible. Okay. Well, and no matter the age, as well, kind of right. that. And it's funny when you said like this routine of like the bedtime routine, um, my middle son, he's 14. And it's funny because, you know, I do like the snug as a bug in a rug type thing with him at night. And I <laughs> haven't done it for a while because he ha- he's on the top bunk and everything. But the other day he was out on the couch and I started doing it. And the smirk <laughs> that he got, was, oh, it's so just funny. like, it doesn't matter how old they get. They still treasure those little oh, moments. Yes. It's so yes. funny. So. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> It was just funny. It made, you made me think of that. So, yeah. okay. Talk to me about your proven 5S system. What is this? 
Yeah. So that's the kind of overall framework that I work with my one-on-one clients about. And so um, there's five S's. Um, One of them is getting on the same page. And that's that process that I alluded to before of writing a family business plan. So essentially it's like six conversational exercises that are built out through the curriculum where um, it's a little bit more of like a prompt or an activity that helps you sort through what matters to us most. What is our culture? What are our um, core values, Um, our end goals, the ways we spend our time and money and all kind of culminating in a mission statement that embodies this is our cornerstone. This is who we are, what we're trying to do and how we make decisions. And, um, and so there's that process as one piece. Is everybody involved in that process? It's just the parents, but I offer them um, questions to bring in their older children as well. Okay. So if they have, if they have older children, then they kind of have questions so that they can help get their input. If they have younger kids, um, we have one piece of it is writing a family agreement where it helps uh, the kids decide how do we want to feel in our home and what helps us feel that way and what rules should we have so that we can protect that. And it kind of boils it down to the why behind our family rules that we all agree to and applies to everyone in the home, not just the kids, but the grownups too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's all within that five. That's the same page. S. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so the, then the next S is sanity and that is the mindset work and the trigger awareness and the coping strategies that we need as parents to stay calm, which is a whole separate (laughs) toolkit (laughs) than how we discipline, right? Because we can't discipline if we're so unregulated, we can't think straight. So (laughs) I think mindset is a super un, un, um, underrated aspect of parenting because we are deciding what to do so much based on how we're thinking. Mm -hmm. And if we don't actually realize that we're reacting to a certain behavior because we're so afraid that 10 years from now, they're going to be dropping out of high school and in juvie. Well, that's probably not going to help us stay calm and decide the best course of action when truly it's just a five-year-old crying about a granola bar, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So being able to really think straight and become clear about like, this is why this bothers me. This is what I want to be able to remember in some of the hard moments. This is what I do to kind of process my own stress. That's huge. Okay. So that's that second S, the sanity. Okay. Then the third S is solutions. And that's where the positive discipline strategies come in, as well as just individualizing and tweaking and troubleshooting. How do we get them to get their shoes on? What, did, what happened at bedtime? Why did it go so awry? What do we do when you know they won't get in their car seat? Those types of things, uh, I, the value of individualized coaching cannot be... Um, overemphasized because it's just so amazing to vent, feel mm-hmm. validated as a mm-hmm. parent, know that you're not alone and you're not a terrible parent, but like there might just be something you haven't thought of yet. And when you get to talk that out and realize, oh, actually it's the deeper root, root is this, like you can say, oh yeah, my kid doesn't listen, but like, tell me more. What's the last example of that? What happened before that? How did you respond? What were, what might have they be, been feeling or thinking in that moment? Let's actually like break it down. 
then we'll find what to try next time. That's probably going to be the game changer rather than, you know, I, I guess I just don't know what to do. And then that helplessness takes over. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and doing the same thing day after over day. and over yeah. and over. It's not changing. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have the, the same page, sanity, solutions, and secure relationships, um, because, you know, the the cornerstone that all of our parenting is based on is a connected relationship where there's uh, mutual trust and uh, understanding built up so that we can uh, use that to kind of leverage the cooperation that we need or the um, perspective that we want to have and the influence that we have over our kids through that attachment. So, you know, the things like the the quality time or the um, just being able to uh, understand more of what's going on in their head so that we can actually have more empathy because it seems so irrational. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's huge for our relationship to feel like we're not um, just absolute adversaries, but no, like we actually do. It's us and them against the world rather than us against them. Right. And then the last S is support. So that is being able to have um, me on speed dial on Voxer <laughs> to when you really need a sanity moment or <laughs> I have a question or example you want to share. Um, being able to have the, the content and a full workbook that's like over 100 pages of everything printed out that you need to, to look at and, and study and, and read over and over and just a, a VIP level of um, somebody who knows you, knows your kids, knows your heart, and is able to kind of like keep calling out your wins and cheering you on when it gets hard because it always will, mm-hmm. but you get better and stronger at it. Yeah. That, I, I love it. I love everything. <laughs> Thinking about the children and communication with them. I find, and this is so hard to do, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's one of those things where we want to, especially with our children, we want to help solve the problem. Oh, yes. And and, and it's more important for us to just ask them questions rather than try to solve. And that's so hard. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that starts at like one when they're doing knob puzzles and we're just like, nope, just, just turn it a little. Let me do it for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I never even thought of that, but yes, you are correct. I, cause I think, you know, now that there's more emotion, it's not more emotions. The emotions are different. And now I can speak to them differently more as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, you know, they're not adults, but there's more adult type conversations going on in our household. So, but yes, even when they're little, how we um, have them work through problems, we want to help solve the problem for them rather than allowing them to talk through it themselves. Yes. It's so, so, so hard. And we do that for our partners and we want to do it for our friends too. We're just like, just do this. Right. But then ultimately we're robbing them of the life experience and the critical thinking skills to be able to actually learn from the problem rather than repeat it, you know, indelibly. So the positive discipline recommends an approach called collaborative problem solving, where you basically your role is to name the problem, because sometimes that is still very hard for them to sort out is like, well, actually, the problem is that there's one toy and two kids that want to play with it. Or right. the problem is that, you know, you're going to have to go to school today, but let's figure out a way to, you know, 
get a mind around it or something. Right. But if you can identify that, then you can open it up to essentially a brainstorm. What do we do about this problem? Do you have any ideas what could help? And if they don't come up with anything, you can always offer some options of like, well, this could be a solution or this could be a solution. What do you think? And it's really just providing some stepping stones of guiding them towards an answer or a solution. But if they ultimately pick it or take ownership of it or decide that it was their idea, then it's going to be a hundred times more successful that they learn from that and they understand what it takes to get to that again and again, where they could do that with their friends at a play date and they could do that same type of thought pattern, you know, at recess or down the road. And that's what we want is to work ourselves out of a job. So that's, that's one, you know, simple tweak that's really going to pay off each time. Okay. Perfect. Do you have like one tip for our moms to be able to take with them to help them over this next week, say, um, to help them with parenting more wholeheartedly. Mm, yeah. The, the heart behind that word is to remind parents that they have to be whole themselves. They have to be pouring from a full cup. They have to have the skills that they want to be teaching. They really have to go first and, you did not, you know, reach a level of full enlightenment and then have kids. And now you're just like Yoda and you're bestowing all this knowledge, right? Like you are absolutely still figuring out all of your flaws, all the things you never learned and having to grow up alongside your child as well. And again, very hard, very, very, very hard to do. And so realizing that like you need your game face, you need to be well taken care of. You need to be prioritizing your well-being and mental health because your ability to be the parent is what everything is based off of. You can hear all the greatest strategies and never have the capacity to even access them or do them or implement them uh, without that. So that's why I have my podcast called Bailing Motherhood because it really speaks to just how hard we are on ourselves and how much we feel like we're screwing this up and failing on a daily basis. Um, but when you get sleep and when you feel better and when you um, really feel like you have something to give, you're going to be able to stay calm. You're going to be able to um, whether, you know, whatever your child throws your way, if you don't feel um, hopeless or helpless or defeated. So that that parenting wholeheartedly is parenting your whole child and coming to it with your whole self, which is easier said than done. Um, There's going to be a lot of variables working against you and a lot of seasons that are going to be harder than others. But um, never feel guilty for taking the time you need to take care of yourself, um, knowing that your child will be better for it. Perfect. Thank you for that. Can you tell listeners where they can find you and what you currently are offering? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm most active on Instagram. Okay. So come find me at parent underscore wholeheartedly and send me a message that you found me from this podcast. I would love to know that and make that connection. Um, and then my, my website is parenting wholeheartedly.com. And I have, again, the one-on-one um, framework that we just kind of talked through as well as a group program. The only thing different about the group is that it doesn't have the family business plan component, but it has 
um, a really tight knit community of moms that have kiddos just like yours. And, you know, you get to share lots of ideas along the way. So um, that's called Wholeheartedly Calm. And that is um, kicking off for the fall. So you can um, come send me a message that says calm if you want more details about that. Perfect. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for taking the time out of your day for this. This was so fun. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. I hope you found this information valuable and hope that you can immediately use some of the information that was provided. Make sure to check out the show notes for all of the links that we discussed today. As a mom myself, I understand that at times you can feel alone and are looking for a sense of community. It is my goal to help bring moms together to find each other, to help support one another, and also help raise healthy humans. That is why I've created a Facebook group. It is free for you to join, and you can go to Moms Raising Healthy Humans. I also have upgraded our membership portal for you if you are interested. I now have three tiers because I want to make sure that everybody is moving more no matter where you are. So the first one, if you happen to like our weekly movement snacks, you're going to want to join our first tier. It's $5 a month and you will have a daily movement exercise that you can do. If you want to move even more, you might want to try one of our other memberships where we go even deeper and you can join us for live Zoom classes. Remember, it is my goal to help bring moms together in a healthy and supportive community, and I feel like that's what I'm doing with the FormFit community. So head to FormFit, F-O-R-M-F-I-T, online.com to see our new website and to learn more.